Hello and welcome to the Ethnos New Brunswick podcast. We're so glad you're joining us. Ethnos is a new organization looking to join in the holistic, community-transforming work happening in Highland Park in New Brunswick. A part of that includes thinking about the spiritual health and vitality of our community. Each week, our gathering is meant to give our community a safe and helpful place for that. Today's episode, Outside the System, is the fourth part of our series called Everyday God, with the conversation being led by speaker Yukon Chu. All right, so we are going to continue on uh, with our time here through some conversation around the teachings of Jesus uh, in order to understand how we can continue to grow in our spiritual journey. We do this every Sunday, of course, and we focus on the teachings of Jesus because we believe that while there are a lot of great spiritual insights and ways to understand our spiritual journey, uh, we believe there's something unique about Jesus and what he taught, what he gave us, what he did. And so we take a moment every Sunday to make sure we zero in on the teachings of Jesus. Now, of course, if you have some other ideas, some other teachings you subscribe to, we'd love for you to bring them to the tables as well as we converse. But before we jump into today's conversation, I do want to make note of why we shared the spoken word uh, that we did this morning, uh, if you were here for that segment. I, I think most of us were, but I know spoken word a lot of times happens when people are still trickling in. Uh, if you were here, uh, our spoken word this morning was, a, was about the importance of knowing our ethnic identity. And specifically, as it was Afro-Latina who was sharing with us uh, her journey in being firm and secure in her identity as Afro-Latina. Uh, we wanted to share that uh, story with, uh, with our community this week because, uh, as many of you know, this week, especially uh, for us here in New Brunswick, uh, the president's actions in bringing up the issue of deportation uh, brought a lot of fear, uh, brought a lot of concern in our city. And it was uh, something that affected many people here uh, in this room and also uh, many people uh, in our wider New Brunswick family. And so we just want to make sure everyone in this room and really, hopefully, everyone in the city understands that they are valued, that they are important, that while we can get into debates about political status and immigration status, here at Ethnos, uh, we value you, regardless of where you've come from, regardless of your story, and we want to make sure Ethnos is a place uh, where everyone in our city feels safe. And so if you could, um, and, and some of us here uh, maybe weren't affected by the news from this week. Some of us maybe, you know, just kind of passed by us, and that, that's fine. But I want to just invite us all to a moment of silence, a moment of prayer for just what has happened uh, this week. Uh, again, some of you also know that the president changed uh, his decision uh, just yesterday on uh, delaying uh, some activity by ICE. And um, so that's a breath of fresh air, but it still continues to be an issue here in our country. Again, there, it's a debate that needs to be had. It's something that does need to be reformed in our country. But beyond the politics, 
right here in our city, right here in this room, I know many of us have been affected. So let's just take a moment of pause and prayer uh, before we go on, all right? You could just join me in a moment of silence. God, we come to you this morning, and while in many ways we are excited for the beginning of summer, in many ways uh, this beginning of summer has been marked by some heaviness and some grief for our city. We take this pause this morning, God, and acknowledge that together. We take that pause to give you our fears, to give you the anxieties we've had, to give you our sadness, our anger, our worry. God, we thank you that you know our stories, each and every one. And while our stories are full of imperfections and none of us here are perfect and holy or whatever it is, you have chosen to love us and be with us and walk with us in the midst of our stories. Not in judgment, but with love and grace. Thank you so much for that, God. We do ask for the transformation of our city and really of our country. This issue of immigration, this issue of rampant violence and poverty in Central and Latin American countries that drive people to a safe place here. These are issues that grieve us, God. They burden us. Would you please transform our countries so that we don't have to live in fear, so that we don't have to be refugees. Have mercy on us, God. And we give you ourselves. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you for uh, taking a moment to give that over to God. Well, we are going to continue uh, with our time here together this morning uh, in our summer series called Everyday God. Uh, it is a series uh, where we have tracked with a person uh, by the name of Abram. Uh, this person lived some 2,000 years before Jesus was here. And Jesus, in his scriptures, refers to this man, Abram, as a person of faith, as a person who journeyed well with God. But what we've discovered, of course, in this series so far, is that Abram was a lot like us in his journey. First of all, he didn't come from the right sort of background. Uh, if you were here in our first discussion of the series, Abram was a moon worshiper of the time. He worshiped the moon. And yet the God of the universe broke into his life and said, you know what, I want you to get to know me and the plan I have for you, the vision I have for your life, the vision I have to bless the world, actually, through you. 
And so Abram begins to follow God, and some days he does really well, and other days he lets all the anxieties and challenges cloud his vision of God and his purposes. You'll remember last week we talked about how his family was involved in his spiritual journey as well, and how his family complicated things. This week we're going to continue on with how his family gets involved and how that can complicate faith and our spiritual journey. But before we get there, as usual, we want to start with a question, just to get our minds ready for what we're about to read. And this question uh, might seem a little strange to you at first, but I think you'll get, get the gist of it. The question is this, when was the last time you were tricked and missed out on what was best? When was the last time you were duped? Where somebody promised something that actually wasn't true, perhaps, or you thought something that wasn't true, and as a result, you missed out on the best. Take a quick moment, turn to your neighbor, and spend out two minutes just to think about that last moment and share about that, all right? Two minutes. Talk it through. All right, so who wants to share with us? Who wants to kind of fess up and, and get a little perhaps embarrassed by a story? When was the last time you were tricked or duped and missed out? Anybody want to share with us? Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, Matthew, let's get us started. Last fall, uh, I had received my teaching schedule, and I was asked to switch from one class to another class, which looked like a better time of the day. He's like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll do this. But it turned out my previous class would have had like 30 students in it. I got moved to one with 80 students, so exam grading took a little bit longer. Okay, yeah, yeah. So you got tricked at work, basically, and uh, yeah, had to do way more work than you realized. How many of us, how many of us have experienced something like that at work? Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, definitely. Something happens like that a lot. Okay, what else? What else? Anybody else? Oh, back there? Okay, sorry. I'm, I'm just, I need a, man, you're making me work today, guys. All right, yeah. Um, I feel like I was tricked when I was told to major in engineering. Uh, I feel, I feel like I could have majored in something easier, easier and had the same job prospects while having a more active undergraduate social life. Wow, I didn't think that would, thank you, Dapo. Let's give it up for Dapo, thank you. I didn't, I didn't think you'd elicit such a strong response in this room, that's really fascinating, okay. What else, what else? Who else got, feel like, feels like they've gotten tricked before? Yeah, over here, over here. So I was pressured by my um, team here to share. It's quite embarrassing. It's about money. When I was young, uh, my older cousin told me that two quarters, because there's two of them, is more valuable than a dollar. So. You made the trade. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What's good for Christine about that? Yeah, yeah. I I actually did that once myself when I was a kid. I don't I. I, I tricked somebody by saying, you know, the dime is smaller than the nickel. 
so the nickel's worth more. So we should make a trade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, how many of you have kind of done something? Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Okay, so we're not good. Good. I'm glad I'm in the company of fellow liars um, like myself. Anybody else? Anybody else? Okay, back here. Back here. All right. I'm gonna squeeze in right here. Yeah. So for context, I'm Taiwanese. My parents are Taiwanese. And when I was a child, we would make dumplings fairly often. And the Taiwanese dumpling is this delicious thing of dough with filling inside. I was at a grocery store for one of the first times in my life with my mother. We were shopping canned soup. And one of them was chicken and dumpling. And I was really excited. I'm like, Mom, there's dumplings. Mom got excited too. So we bought it. I brought it home. And for those who don't know, Chicken and dumpling soup is the quote-unquote American dumpling, which is just a sad blob of wet dough in soup. <laughs> and it is the most disappointing thing ever when you're expecting Taiwanese or Chinese-style dumplings. So yeah, I was sad. <laughs> All right, let's give it up for Jimmy. Yeah. It's, it's interesting, right? You know, we, have, we definitely have those cross-cultural experiences where, where one culture says this is what it is, and then you realize, no, 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 that's definitely not what it is. Um, big time. I remember, uh, as many of you know, we have, we're part of a wider network, and uh, our work extends into, um, into different African countries. And a uh, number of times I've been there, they always have a joke uh, there that, you know, you, you quote-unquote Americans who live in America, you, you all have the nice watches, but we have the time in Africa. <laughs> And it was just always funny when we were work, we would work, do work together. They, they, their, their times were differentiated by like, oh yeah, it's gonna happen now, or it's almost ready to happen. And almost, you know, it was just funny because like, yeah, the cultural differences we we have misses in expectations that happen often, and and we can get tricked. Yeah. Well, why why are we asking this question today? Well, we're asking this question, of course, because this happens all around us every day. We feel like we should get something when we maybe go through a certain circumstance, go through a situation, someone makes a promise. But oftentimes we get tricked. Oftentimes we have a misunderstanding. And sometimes that's rather innocent. But sometimes it can be malicious, right? Sometimes people are out there to trick us. Or we are trying to trick ourselves sometimes from God's best for us. This happens in all sorts of areas of our life. And it definitely happens when it comes to our spiritual journey. As we get engaged again with the story that we're in this summer, the story of Abram, we're going to read uh, today a very fascinating story about how Abram is almost going to get tricked. Now, he's not going to get tricked in some secretive sort of mysterious way. He's going to get tricked in the sense that the culture and the system that he lived in back then necessitated or suggested that, you know, if this happens, then this happens, right? And so, for example, uh, Dapo, you brought up, you were an engineer major. Our culture would suggest that, you know, if you were a certain major in school or studied a certain thing, that outside of school, then after school, you should then go on and do this with your life, right? There's a certain system that we can easily fall into. And sometimes those systems are fine, in fact, we need those kind of systems and structures in our lives. But sometimes those systems and those structures prevent us 
from experiencing God's best for us. In fact, they cloud our vision or they, they, they inadvertently derail us from God's best. And so today we're going to read a story about Abram who right about, right as he was going to enter into something very normal in his life, God has to intervene to help him realize, no, no, this system isn't the thing you really want for your life. I have something better, something bigger. Let's take a look at our story, and then we'll start thinking about how this might apply to our everyday lives. If you have your sheets, you can take a look at the sheets in front. This is the excerpt from uh, the scriptures of Jesus today that we're looking at. The story starts off kind of weird, and so we're actually not going to read through it because it's literally full of ancient Near Eastern names that came from 4,000 years ago, okay? So I don't want to confuse us all, but I do want to give us some pictures to help us understand what's going on. Now, if you remember last week, really quick, last week you remember Abraham had a conflict with his nephew, right? And we started talking about how family drama is always a part of all our lives, and family drama can derail us from God. And we talked about how that was something that almost happened to Abram and, and his nephew Lot, but thankfully they found a peaceable solution. Now, here's the deal, of course, and you know this with your family. Any peaceable solution is only temporary, right? Anytime you resolve something with a cousin, with an uncle, with a sibling, with a parent, usually that resolution occurs for or lasts for, you know, a certain time period. But then afterwards, things continue to happen, right? And so Abraham and Lot had a conflict. They resolved the solution by saying, hey, you get this piece of property. I'll get this piece of property. We won't fight anymore. And that was fine until this story happens, okay? So what happens in this story? Well, let's take a look at the pictures. And if, you, if you're into reading, you can read these first, like, four paragraphs. But let me get some pictures on the screen uh, to tell you what's going on, okay? So basically, this is 4,000 years ago. And what's going on is these, in this area that they lived in, there were nine different kings, or nine different like rulers of what they called city-states back then. The four in the red circle were in charge, and they had put uh, under them, suppressed under them, five other rulers in that area, okay? Now, as you can imagine, none of these oppression-type things go well for very long. And so at a certain point, next picture, the people in the blue say, hey, you know what, we got to rebel. We got to just get out of this, this, this oppression. And so they basically fight back. Now, however, next picture, what happens is they don't really succeed. And so what happens is they need to retreat. They need to run. And as they retreat and as these guys in the red start chasing them, what happens, next picture, is that in the process, they find Lot, which was Abraham's nephew, and they capture him, okay? Now, word of this gets back to Abram. And so Abram musters up his own people and his allies and what have you. And he basically goes and chases the guys in red. And next picture, he actually ends up defeating them, okay? He actually ends up defeating them. He gets his nephew Lot back. But what happens in the meantime, and this is pretty normal, what happens is, well, the guys in the blue basically are going to come and say thank you. This is kind of normal custom. And specifically, one of the guys in the blue named the king of Sodom is about to come and say thank you to Abram and Lot and basically do a little business deal with him. 
as, again, as a normal custom to say, thank you for helping us here. Can I give you this? Can you give me this? And have this exchange. Now, this is where the story gets a little strange. Because right when this is about to happen, this random, random person named Melchizedek shows up. And so let's read the story about what happens. Okay? We're starting halfway through this excerpt, and we're going to look at 17, number 17. And this is just the setup again. After Abram returned from defeating Kerolamur, and the kings allied with him, all those people in the red. The king of Sodom came out to meet him in the valley of Shaveh. That is the king's valley. That's what I just said. This king of Sodom is going to say, thank you. There's going to be a business deal. But then notice what happened. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God most high. And he blessed Abram, saying, Blessed be Abram by God most high, creator of heaven and earth. And praise be to God most high, who delivered your enemies into your hand. Then Abram gave him a tenth of everything. The king of Sodom, all of a sudden gets on the scene, said to Abram, Give me the people and keep the goods for yourself. But Abram said to the king of Sodom, with raised hand, I have sworn an oath to the Lord, God most high, creator of heaven and earth, that I will accept nothing belonging to you, not even a thread of the strap of a sandal, so that you will never be able to say, I made Abram rich. I will accept nothing but what my men have eaten and the share that belongs to the men who went with me, to Aner, Eshkol, and Mamre. Let them have the share. What's going on here? It's a really odd situation. And if you're a little confused, trust me, for 2,000 years after this story occurred, people who believed in the scriptures of Jesus were confused as well. The story is straightforward enough, right? Right before the king of Sodom shows up, this random other figure named Melchizedek shows up. We know he's a priest to the God most high, meaning he helps people connect to God. And he comes and he specifically says, you know what, Abraham, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless you with God's blessing, and you in turn are going to bless God. And apparently, this person, Melchizedek, has something about him that is so significant. He, he's, he must have some type of like spirituality or spiritual authority that is tangible because it's so significant that Abram, even though he's never met him, right, Abram, it tells us, he gives this guy a tenth of everything. I mean, it's like, it's crazy, right? It's like you're going in the city, right? Right, you're on the subway or something, or you're on NJ Transit, and you know, you know whenever strange people walk in the train? Like, none of us feel like, oh, wow, I should listen to this person, right? And we're always like, oh, my goodness, what's going on? And we don't want to think about them. We don't want to look, make eye contact. We definitely don't want to give them money or something like that. It's, think of that happening, but exactly the opposite. It's a really odd moment. And then all of a sudden, this guy seems to disappear, and then King Sodom comes, and King Sodom does what is supposed to happen in these sort of exchanges during wartime. But apparently, Melchizedek has left 
Abraham so shook that Abram's like, you know what, I'm not going to get involved in this deal. I've just made an oath to God Most High that I cannot take anything from you. What's going on there? Well, it turns out, as the story will go, and we got hints of this last week, that Sodom and the people of Sodom were a people far from God. And in fact, they were not just a people far from God, they were a people against God. And for Abram to take anything from them would be a disservice to the plans God had for Abram. It, in fact, messed Abram up. It would be a bad business deal that would get him off track with what God wanted for his life. In other words, here's the here, here, point today. Abram needed somebody from outside, needed somebody from outside the normal system, the normal culture, the normal way of doing things to come and remind him of God so that Abram wouldn't just fall into what was expected and actually lose out on what God's best was for him. Does that make sense? You see how this story is developing? Now, here, let me add one more layer to this, and then we'll, we'll kind of start thinking about how this might apply to our lives, okay? The weird thing about this story, again, the, again, if you're still feeling like Yukon, I'm, I'm, not, still, I'm not sure about this, this story at all. I'm not even sure if you're interpreting it right. That's okay. Again, for 2,000 years, people didn't know how to interpret this. They didn't know who this Melchizedek person was. They're like, what is going on? And in, uh, but it turns out about 2,000 years later, as people were trying to think through this, people began to realize Melchizedek was a sign. Or Melchizedek was a foretaste of someone needing to come from outside the system to help humanity. In fact, in Psalm 110, a scripture that's written a little bit later, Psalm 110, a prophecy is made about someone who will be like Melchizedek, who will come and save us from the systems of our world that we find ourselves in. And lo and behold, when Jesus comes, interestingly enough, as people are trying to figure out who Jesus was, they begin to make the connection. Hold on, Jesus is Melchizedek. Or Jesus is just like Melchizedek. Reason? Because Jesus came in many ways from outside the system. Jesus came, he was like us, but not really. He came and he could do things that we couldn't do so that he could get us out of what we were in so that we could get our lives back in line with God. In fact, in a scripture called Hebrews, in the 6th and 7th chapter, this is like the lo a long discussion about it. And I've just included the kind of concluding excerpt from Hebrews 7 on the bottom of your sheet. Just read through this and then and, and track with me, okay? And then we'll, we'll start getting back to uh, our lives right now. N notice what Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews says about Jesus and Melchizedek as they've thought through all this. He says this, such a high priest truly meets our need. This author has been just contemplating how Jesus is a high priest of someone who helps us get to God, right? And how he's like 
Melchizedek out, from outside the system. And then as he's concluding this, he, he, note, he just focuses on Jesus and he says this, such a high priest truly meets our need. One who is holy, who's blameless, who's pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. Unlike the other high priests, he doesn't need to offer sacrifices day after day, for his own, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. No, he sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. There's a lot we could say about this, and there are other conclusions here, but what the author is trying to tell us is he's trying to paint this picture of our need for somebody outside the system, for somebody who is outside of the normal things we face, the normal mindsets we have, someone from outside needs to come and help us. And in this case, in this issue of forgiveness, someone who is somehow pure, someone who doesn't have to always think about their own messed up nature before helping us, someone better has to come to help. I just want us to think about the last thing in our lives that we perhaps needed help with. Or the last thing in our life where we just kind of felt like the normal way of going about things was, you know, expected of you. And you kind of did it, maybe, but it didn't really work out. Or it just didn't seem like it was that great. I think, for example, in the area of sex and relationships, just to be honest. That's kind of the first thing I think about. And I think about this because I feel like as a spiritual uh, director and as a pastor, a lot of people come and talk to me about sex and relationships. And what, what, what I find fascinating, right, is that there is a normal way sex and relationships are supposed to happen, like around us, right, in, in some ways. I was watching, uh, or, or some people were over watching a movie uh, yesterday at my house, and, um, and, they were t and there was a, a scene in the movie where, you know, like, there's an expectation that before you go to college, you shouldn't be a virgin. Like, you should, you, you know, you should, you should know what sex is before you go to college, right? There's this kind of expectation in certain circles that that's just the normal way of life. What if, what if there was another way? And what if we needed someone from outside of the system to tell us that there was another way? I think about family drama. We, we looked at, we've been looking at a lot of family drama uh, in the story of Abraham. And, and I know for all of our family drama, there's a certain way you do things in your family drama, right? Like there are certain things you do say, certain things you don't say, certain ways you talk to this person, that aunt, that uncle, certain ways you don't talk to that cousin, and things like that. And, and here's the deal. We all have these normal ways of how things should happen. But has it really been helpful? Could it be that God actually has something better for us than what is the norm? The last area I think about is our careers and how we manage money, you know, the job situation. Again, there are normal ways things are supposed to happen. A few weeks ago, we talked about the need to survive. And, you know, when money is tight, when uncle needs this, when aunt needs that, and we have to reallocate funds, and, and we are short on money, then we have to do certain things. And there's a normal cycle of how that happens, right? 
But what if God was trying to say, actually, there's something different that I want you to experience? I think this is what is going on with Abram here in this story. There's a normal way. Warfare and the conclusions of warfare and how treaties, how they're made, there's a normal way where this is supposed to develop. But God breaks in, in this strange figure of Melchizedek. And he invites him to consider something different. I want you to turn to your neighbors really quickly. And just process this for a brief minute or two. Uh, two things. You can process the story and continue to ponder the story and what it means. But number two, perhaps, you can ponder how this story might relate, begin to relate to you. Is there something going on in your life that is sort of, hey, this is how things are supposed to happen? But I feel like that's not quite enough. I feel like maybe God is trying to invite me to something different. Take about a minute or two and just process that, and then we'll bring it to a conclusion in a brief moment. About 10 more seconds. 10 more seconds of process here. So, again, this is a, a fascinating story that, again, for thousands of years have, have perplexed people on journey with God. I, I hope I've done some justice to begin to bring in different elements of literally thousands of years of processing about what this story is actually about. Again, I really believe this story is here to remind us that we need somebody outside the system, somebody who is more in touch with God than ourselves to remind us of God, to remind us of the purposes and plans God has for us. Abram needed that in this instance when he was in this situation where he should have naturally expected this from this wartime situation. But again, Melchizedek ultimately points to Jesus and our need for somebody like Jesus in our lives outside the system to point us to God, to point us to what's true about God, to point us to forgiveness and love and mercy. And so how might this apply to you and I here this morning? I'm curious this morning if there are places in your life where you just need some guidance, number one where you feel like, you know, I just feel a little lost in this area. And my normal ways of trying to figure this out or the normal, like, solution that my context says, hey, this is how you find an answer to it, it just isn't working out. Could it be 
that you need a Melchizedek-like figure? Could it be that you need Jesus to enter in and guide you in that situation? Could it be also that perhaps Jesus is already entering in and he's already whispering to you that, hey, you know what? I need you to give me a chance on this one. And could it be that Jesus, like Melchizedek, is already saying some things to you, saying some truths about who you really are, some truths about what your life really is about? And could it be that, like Abraham, you are sensing, you know what? Man, I need to give in to this. Again, I find it fascinating that Abraham, for whatever reason, this was a significant spiritual moment is so significant that he says, you know what, I'm giving you a tenth of all that I have. And could it be that you are hearing that from God as well and from Jesus? He's already been entering in and you need to surrender something to him. You know, I'm going to invite up um, India and Daniel for one last song. And the idea, of course, with uh, our closing song is always that uh, this is a t- song we can use for a prayer. And um, again, I don't know about where you are in your journey, what's going on right now with your processing of this story. But perhaps you are in need of that person from outside the system. And perhaps Jesus right now is inviting you to consider surrendering to him, handing him that issue that you've been wrestling with, handing it over to him, letting him in on that. We want to give you some time here just to wrestle with that, to to let God speak. Uh, They'll be playing a song to help us think through this. We want to invite you to use this song as a time to pray. But we also want to invite you to two other spaces here this morning. If you'd like to continue to process and pray what God may be putting on your heart. We're going to invite you to uh, the communion tables. Those are the tables where we remember the death of Jesus. Where he came and he died for our sins so that we could come to God. Perhaps you're feeling that sense of, man, I need to just come to God and get right with God about something. Come to the communion table. There's a prayer we have printed there. You can pray that prayer and take communion. And then last but not least, of course, we want to invite you to um, our prayer team in the back uh, over there. If you just want to process some more what God has been bringing up, take a moment, head over there and pray. We'll give about three, four minutes for this just to process, think through things, and then I'll bring things back to a close after that time. Yeah.
Join me in a final word of prayer here this morning. We thank you, God, that if you are there, you are a God who reaches out to us, who enters our space, who enters our messy situations, who enters our hopes dreams and you enter in not to condemn you enter in not to scold us but you enter in to say you know what there's something even better there's something even bigger something you've been looking for something you actually need that I can give we thank you for the story of the strange person, Melchizedek, who was looking to bless Abram. And we thank you for how that points to you, Jesus, how you're looking to bless us. Would you help us to know you, Jesus, to understand you, to open our hearts to you and receive what you have? It's in Jesus' name. You know, as we 
wrap up our time here this morning and just think through how we can be continue to open ourselves to God and let God and let Jesus be a guide. Let Jesus help us process and lead us in these areas, uh, especially in the summer months. As summer gets going, can I just encourage us that we can't do this alone? And being here is a great place to be. But there are also many opportunities throughout the week to get together. Um, in fact, if you go on our Facebook page uh, today, uh, we've listed all our weekday gatherings on our Facebook page so you can get to know them. Uh, some of you are familiar with our middle school and high school youth section already. Uh, if you haven't been there and you're middle school, high school youth, they have a new summer schedule too that's going to be really exciting. There are ways to connect for our growth and our journey that we definitely want to encourage you to uh, throughout this summer. All right? Hey, thanks so much for being here. We look forward to the many conversations uh, throughout the week that we'll have. Thanks.